Peter, it's time for the bi-weekly mailbag. It's the Just Baseball Show. Wednesday, May 18th. I'm Arm Layton. He's Peter Apple. And we have some awesome questions. I feel like the questions keep getting better and better every time we're doing one of these. I feel like the, the questions we're getting keep leveling up. And we've got at least nine questions that we're going to fly through in this episode. You know what I love, too? It used to be at the beginning of some of the questions that we all that we ask on Twitter and on Instagram at just BB media for Twitter and at just baseball show for the Instagram. They've gotten deeper. They're deeper cuts. They're more in the weeds. I remember we used to get who are your top five players or who do you think the best team in the American league is now it's what do you think about Joey Bart's swing mechanics? (laughs) I love it. And I'm so excited to talk with you today about these nine questions. Yeah. It's funny. I like want a little bit of everything. And I feel like our listeners, you all listening have done a really awesome job of just giving us a little bit of everything. I would love to talk about like what Peter's run grade is, which we've already established as a 20, um, maybe lower, <laughs> maybe lower. I got flat feet. It was always my problem. I, I have in, I have insoles now, like even walking, I'm a 20 walker. So you think I, I can't you run even imagine like what Pujols? I, I like, we were talking about Pujols running on the lot. Do you like kind of have that like heavy foot waddle? With, oh yeah. But you're always. beating Pujols in a race. You have can't to get my legs moving. I think I'd lose. You think you'd lose to pools? I'm going to put myself at the bottom so that anything I do above that is honestly, I get to brag about it. Setting expectations low. That's how you got to do it. I'm faster than Albert Pujols. I don't even know if I am. That's the thing though. It's, it's, it's not that would fun, be but it's so true. funny. Like if you get to rate, you know, Brian Scalabrini did something because he was so sick of everybody saying that they, they were better than him. He did the scallenge where you could challenge him to a one-on-one and people would submit videos in and, and challenge him to a one-on-one. And of course he worked everybody. So even D one, I think a Syracuse former basketball Syracuse player got worked. Obviously he's an NBA player, but on the speed thing, I feel like if we had the average civilian race, Albert Pujols, what do you think? Am I, am I, am I being hyperbolic to say like the average 20 to 25 year old male, let's say, are they beating Albert Pujols in a race? I think you're being hyperbolic. Maybe okay. I don't truly understand how slow he is. I just, I cannot, I, it doesn't fit in my brain that the no. average civilian, even a healthy 20 to 24 year old is still going to beat him. I, we were just debating on, on TikTok as well. I made a TikTok where it was like, with the University of Tennessee, the number one team in college baseball right now, we've seen them with 105.5 from Ben Joyce. You know, they have multiple major leaguers probably on that roster one day. How would they fare against the Cincinnati Reds? Could they get them on any given day? They would lose by 10 runs on the Reds' worst day and the Tennessee best day. It's just how it is. So there's levels to this. And I just don't want to put myself on any level that Albert Pujols is on. That is fair. That is is fair. That is fair. It's funny. I I always thought that question was so nuts. Uh, In any sport, in any sport, Alabama uh, versus Jaguars, Jaguars would win by 60 Kentucky versus any the magic and be a tip. Yeah. The magic would win by a hundred. It's yeah. just, it, they are professional players 
River San Martin of the Cincinnati Reds would throw a no hitter against him. Yeah. How it is. San Martin, poor guy. Yeah. We pick I know, but he lot. would. We pick on him a lot, but it's very funny. Uh, so we'll start with, with the Mariners question, um, which I know you and I were talking before we started recording and like this was something that it's been awesome to see JP Crawford ball out. And the question is from Just Lions on Twitter, just underscore lines with a Z. That's my guy, Alex. He's been around since the locked on uh, MLB prospects days. And uh, I, I love all the questions he always asks. He's a big Mariners fan and it's been cool seeing him follow along because I've seen him, you know, just all in on the farm system, but now he's seeing the talent go up and he's excited. I always see him tweeting at us. So I love that we're leading it off with a question from Alex, who's happy about one thing and not thrilled about another. It's thoughts on JP Crawford this year. Any notable, noticeable changes in the mechanics? Also, what is wrong with Kalnick? Is it a mental thing, a huge swing issue or just flat out bad? Let's start with the good. JP Crawford has been phenomenal this year, Peter. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, it, there's no way around how good he has been. The glove, we always knew the glove was going to be there for JP Crawford ever since he was a prospect with the Phillies. Uh, and he has really carved himself out a role with that glove. But what he's done this year offensively has been really impressive. Although you and I both looked at it. We've looked at the, the batted ball data. You look at just the simple swing setup. Nothing looks too different, but he's hitting 311, 394, 484, which is a 167 WRC plus. Peter, I, I think he's getting better with age, right? I mean, he's 27 now. He's probably just learning himself more as a hitter, but I don't think he's some 311, 394, 484 guy now all of a sudden. Agreed. And I think he was asking, Alex was asking if he made a major swing change that developed this and now he's a new player. I just always think he's been talented. I mean, he was picked in the first round back in 2013. He was the 16th draft pick to the Phillies, then traded to the Mariners. He was always supposed to be this great guy. We knew about the glove. We knew about the bat to ball, but the power just never really came to be. And the power still isn't really coming to be. But there are a couple of things where I do see some regression. A 354 Babbitt, batting average on balls in play that's going to decrease down to his normal level around 300 to 320. He's not going to hit 347 off fastballs this year. No. But he has proved that he can hit breaking balls a little bit, and he hasn't hit that well off off off-speed pitches of late. So do I see J.P. Crawford hitting 311? No. Do I see, you know, four home runs right now? Do I see him hitting 2025? Probably not. But will he hit 280 with 15 to 20 home runs, plenty of speed, and a great glove? Yes. Is that a, is that a pretty good shortstop? Absolutely. And that's better than last year. And I think that's, that's the larger point is I don't think either of us have seen any, you know, this isn't one of those where it's like, Oh, he changed his setup and now he's lifting the ball more and it's, there's more home runs. No, I think this is a guy that already kind of figured himself out last year with, with his best offensive season. And now is applying it more and more. You talk about, you know, hitting fastballs better, hitting breaking balls, even a little bit better to start the year. He'll probably be that 280 guy, like you said, and you know what, that's even better than last year. And what I've seen is, there's a little bit more of that comfort of picking his spots. I was watching him against the Marlins and so he had true. a 2-0 count against Sandy. And Sandy came in with 100 miles an hour and you could tell he was cheating for it, which that's a good spot to cheat, right? Look for the fastball middle end. If it's there, it. Catch it out front and launch it. And he launched it for a home run. So I think those are the nuances that he's learning. You're not going to find that in the fan graphs page, but watching that, you know, I was like, whoa, okay. He's starting to, to learn. Like I can pick my spots to go deep. 
And he he's doing it. And that's why we've seen four home runs already in 34 games. To your point, it's not that he made a swing adjustment. He's making mental adjustments pitch to pitch. And those are improving day over day. And he's just getting better. He's getting more acclimated to the big leagues. And he looks like an above average shortstop. Like if I asked you, Arm, who would you rather have for the next couple of years, J.P. Crawford or Dansby Swanson? (laughs) No, I know because it's the barometer of average shortstop. But again, it is not meaning Dansby is an average player, average shortstop. Shortstop. There are a lot of the shortstops are a lot of the best players in baseball. So my thinking is I would slightly rather have JP Crawford, but it is close. That's kind of where he is. But the fact that you have an above average shortstop in Seattle a couple years ago, we were not saying that about JP Crawford. So that goes to show the developments that he's made. A hundred percent. And the last thing I'll say, I mean, to to ask you the question, because I agree, I'd take JP. Would you take JP for his contract, which is 51 million over five years? Yes. I think I that's a that solid deal. contract. I think DePoto did a great job there in Seattle. I love, I love that deal. So 10 well, million. For, yeah. Come on for, for a shortstop and above average shortstop. I'm in 27 and, years old. Yeah. yeah. He's going to get, and I think he's going to keep getting a little bit better each year mm-hmm. going into the next guy though, on the same team. Now, Jared Kalnick, uh, it has not been pretty for him. He's shown flashes and, you know, I was convinced that Kalanick's worst days were behind him when we saw what he did over the final month of the season last year, where he mashed baseballs. And that was on a big stage. He was leading the charge, you know, for a team that was, you know, really making some noise down the stretch. And uh, he was owning it. He was wearing it. He was having fun. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, this is the Jared Kalanick that we were hearing about for so long. But then he comes out this year, Peter, sitting 140, 219, 291. He was sent down now to triple A Tacoma. What is your thoughts? Because I know we've talked about it a little bit in the past. I know you, you shifted your perception in some ways. You weren't saying he's cooked, but you're saying, I think we need to reevaluate the ceiling. Has that changed at all as he's probably struggled for another 50 plate appearances since you and I had that conversation? You know what? I did some soul searching because <laughs> You're right. I haven't reevaluated kind of my expectations on him because I was pretty high on him. I thought he could be a potential multi-time all all-star. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to with the swing and also his mentality. We've heard that he's just a, I don't give a fuck type player. Yeah. Like it's just, he gets in the box and he's like, try and beat me. You can't. I love that mentality in a baseball player. You know, he's athletic out there. He's got speed and he's got power. So it's hard not to like him. But when I said to reevaluate my ceiling, maybe I need to reevaluate my reevaluation because <laughs> he's 22 years old. Yeah. If he comes up in two years, even at 24, that's still young. That's still going to be a good player. There have been plenty of players where it just takes a little longer to get going. I mean, this was a guy who was drafted in sixth overall first rounder out of high school, not a college guy. So it's not this 22 year old who we now need to start hitting because he's only got two years in the minors before he's 24. No, we can give this guy more run. Even if he's not up until next year. Yeah. For example, they brought up Julio really early. And the great thing is Julio is just the biggest freak in the world. So he can take it, but he's going to go through some slow starts too. I'm, I just don't want to judge him yet because is this product that we got in 2022, the product that we're going to have in 2024? I just don't think so. I think he's going to make major changes and he's still going to be a really good player. I I agree. I'm really glad you said that because I was, I was not sure where, where you were going to go on this, to be honest, because we haven't really talked about kind of you and I really even in person or anything like that. Um, And look, it is a little bit, disappointing that he wasn't able to be that wonderkin that skips straight to the big leagues. But like, so to your point here, 
He was drafted out of high school. He then, you know, plays rookie level in 2018. That's it. 2019, he's traded to Seattle, performs phenomenally as a 19-year-old and works his way up to double A as a 19-year-old, which is crazy. So now we're looking at him as this top prospect in baseball. 2020 season canceled. He balls out in the controlled environment in the alternate training site. Then 2021 comes around and he continues to dominate through spring training and does great in AAA. So we saw him climb through the minor leagues quickly. That doesn't necessarily mean He's big league ready. And now all of a sudden we're, we're pitting him against himself because he climbed through the minor so quickly. Like if he struggled in double a, and we said, Oh, he's struggling to get acclimated and repeated the level and was not even, you know, debuting yet. I feel like people would be regarding him higher. It's almost like this weird backwards. They come in front of us. We see them all the time in front of us at the major league level. And now we're, we're swearing this guy off. Would you rather see him struggling in double a and repeating the level? Like, I think weirdly, yes, I think people would be regarding him higher if he was just in the minors the whole time. And also, this is the Seattle Mariners team that's competitive. They don't have time to give Kelnick all this run. Mm-hmm. Bobby Witt Jr. struggled a lot in his debut with the Royals, but Doesn't they matter. keep giving him more run and yeah. he's going to get better with time. Yeah. The Seattle Mariners are competitive. They cannot afford to give Kelnick all this run when he's not performing. If Julio starts to go down a drain, wouldn't be deci- wouldn't be shocked if they send him down as well. Yeah. That's just the reality of where the Seattle Mariners are for some other teams where they're giving their prospects more run. If Kelnick was on the A's, he'd be playing the entire he'd play yeah. all 162. Play. It wouldn't even matter. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? And I, that that's the big thing too is that's got to be you talk about the mentality he's still human. And I think the human mentality is, is crept in a little bit. Cause I was watching some ABs and I'd never seen this version of Jared Kelnick, which was, you know, Looks fouled off a couple pitches, then Oh, two against Corey Canable. I think it was his last at bat in the big leagues before he was option. He took a fastball right down the middle for strike. Yeah. And it was does. like, that's, that's why it felt to me. I was like, that's why I felt like I had to reevaluate because when I watched Kelnick first, when I watched video of the minors, so different, different completely guy. different. So I was like, oh, maybe I was watching him wrong. But then I thought to myself again, dude, he's 22. Have you seen the path that he's had to take? Yeah. Give the man a second. Give the man a second. I'm with you. I'm with you. Look, it, it does stink. But when we're talking about how hard he hits the ball, too, I mean, this is somebody that, that hits the ball 118 miles an hour. I mean, that is elite. He's got it. And he's 22. And he like he's got an above average athlete. He'll be fine. I will say he's a little pull happy at times. He's changed his setup like three times now. I think he needs to find something that works for him. Use it for 300 plate appearances in AAA. Find that consistency. And then see maybe if we'll see him back in the second half of the season. It's no big deal. You shouldn't be swearing him off. Like Peter said, he's 22 freaking years old. Give the man a second. Speaking of struggling prospects, though, and, you know, this was another really good question from Silvzy26 on Twitter. Why do you believe that many rebuilding teams stick with certain young prospects, mostly pitchers, who are consistently struggling? Would this hurt their confidence if they are truly trying to be developed? Example, Joan Adon uh, of the Nationals, which I know is one of your favorite fades when you Absolutely. are gambling. Um, yeah. Well, what, what do you think about that, Peter? Because I, I know you're always looking for like, uh, and this is one of those situations where it's, it's always a great value bet, right? If you can find a struggling rookie that they're rolling out there every fifth day. So I know, I know that's something you're, you're always looking out for to a degree, but, but what are your thoughts on this question? My thoughts first, just, Adon, or I don't even 
Jack always pronounces it for me. I think it's a don't. A don't. A don't. A don't. A don't. Of the Washington Nationals. The reason I fade him is because he just doesn't look like a starting pitcher. I don't know what the Nationals are doing. And that's why this question is tough because the question in itself is why do you believe that many rebuilding teams stick with their current prospects? It's not just any rebuilding team. It's like, they, they stick with these guys in order to give them run at the major league level, because if they can't perform at the major league level, some of these prospects just won't be big leaguers, kind of like Ada, Adone. But Adone. the problem with Adone is that he is young. They like him in a, they like his stuff. I, I'm watching almost every single one of his starts because you're fading him every time. <laughs> so I've seen like all of his starts so far and they always say he's got the stuff. It's just not the command. So what the nationals I think are doing, they see a stuff profile that they think works and they're going to continue to give him run until until I don't know, until he figures it out because that's the only way I can come across it because they might move him to bullpen. They might not. I want to throw that back over to you because it's so team by team and it's so player by player. I don't think yes. generalizing saying Thank that you. all rebuilding teams all give their prospects a ton of run. I think every player has its own moment Thank you. And with a dome right now, the nationals, don't have starting pitching depth. He's yeah. the only guy they can throw out there. And honestly, it can't get any worse. So they're saying we might as well try because we don't have anything else. But if they did have somebody else, Adone might not be in the major leagues. I, I'm glad you, you hit on the point exactly I was going to get on. It, it's very holistic, right? It's it's individual player to player type of situation um, and team situation. And, yeah. you know, for, for Adone, the, the Nationals could say, hey, we actually want to work on his mechanics. We want to see him up close and develop him with our best coaches. And that's the thing with, with hitting or, or with pitching, excuse me, that is often the case. We saw the Tigers do the same thing with Matt Manning. Last year, he was horrible in AAA, and they, they have a lot of confidence in their pitching coach up there and their development up there. And they said, hey, you know, we're not competing right now. Let's develop him up here every fifth day. And we don't really have anyone to put in the rotation anyways. I, I think that's how the Nationals feel about Adone. I know they have a lot of confidence in their ability to develop. Uh, Josiah Gray has gotten better and better as we've seen him up there. And I think in that case, that's what we're seeing with the Nationals. Uh, when you look at the Royals, a guy like Bobby Witt, his case would just be well, who's also heating up, by the way. And I'm sure you guys have talked about that on oh, yeah. gambling advice. But mm -hmm. you look at him and it's like he's got nothing else to, left to prove in AAA. E even Kelnick only played 30 games in AAA. Like we had a full season at the double and AAA level, mostly AAA for Bobby Witt Jr. And he almost went 30-30. So, you know, those guys, it's like, what else do they have to prove? Just let them keep learning at the big league level. So that's the other reason why I think we see teams okay with their prospects continuously struggling because there is so much value in learning as long as you're not striking out 80% of the time or legitimately not getting out of the first inning of your starts. There's a ton of value in, in just getting the experience. If you know, you're not playing for anything at the moment. I think, yeah, that's the point. It's every player and every team is different and every situation is completely different because there's some guys haven't played much above AAA. Maybe, yeah, you send them back down to prove that they can get through AAA. But if they've dominated AAA already, what else left is there? No. So that's that's why we move around in between players and everyone has their own situation. That's why we got to break down everyone's situation because they're not the same. Another example real quick before I move to the next question is like Clark Schmidt. I mean, Clark Schmidt's been really great out of the bullpen um, and, and really in, in a role for the big league team. 
I love Clark Schmidt being around the big league team and big league veterans and arms. I, that guy, I don't, I don't really want to see him make starts in AAA anymore. I want to see what he can do at the big league level. And I think there's a ton of value to, to the experience that he's getting and the people that he's able to work with right now between the bullpen and the rotation and the staff. And before we move on, Luis Heal, a guy who hasn't played a ton above AAA, he should probably get sent down. I know he can be electric, but he's a guy that I don't want run at the big leagues. I want him to improve on his command yes. in the minor leagues before he comes up. Clark Schmidt has proved it enough. Guy like Davey Garcia has not proved it yet, Correct. at least in my eyes. So that's where I'm at. Everyone has their own situation, which which is the best way to answer it. And, and I love I love that example as well. Uh, another question on a struggling hitter, um, and I think he just put a ball, a good swing on a ball as we were watching um, the the game, and he was. I think it was off of Edwin Diaz, right? But Tyler O'Neill in St. Louis has not been swinging it great. Um, and the question comes from Mac M. Andrew on Twitter. It's either that or it's Mac Mandrew, but I'm going to guess it's Mac M. Andrew on Twitter. And it's what is going on with Tyler O'Neill in St. Louis? Big year last year. Now looks like he can't find the swing. Any thoughts? Uh, so, Peter, I, I looked at, you know, a lot of the numbers. He looks he looks Okay. I, I I'm, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this because I don't know if I'm necessarily panicking on Tyler O'Neill yet. Can I say something? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That's what I, I he's just not on time. No, that's what it seems like to me. Yeah. Nothing is wrong with the batted ball profile. I watched a ton of Cardinals game because I just freaking love this team. And I wish they would trade one of their prospects and go for it because I really think that this could be a world series team. Yep. He's just not on time. That's all it is. And I hate to like be so simple and, no, and not get into it further, but I'm just like, I watch him swing. Looks good. He's still tops and max exit below. He's still fast as shit. He's still a great glove out there. He's got a great arm. He's sitting fast. He's just not on time arm. right now. He's yeah. just not on time right now. That's all it is. He'll be on time soon, and he's going to have an incredible July or June or August where he hits 10 home runs in a month, and you're going to be like, oh, there's Tyler O'Neill. Kind of similar to the way Kyle Tucker started, just not on time. It's okay. Coming off a lockout happens. It's been a little bit longer than we might have expected, especially from a guy like Tyler O'Neill. But remember, this is not a Tyler O'Neill who's been amazing year after year after year after year. He really broke up, broke on last year. Hitter, yeah. Pitchers made their adjustments. He'll make his not on time right now. He's going to be totally fine. He's still elite. Still love him. I th- I think you hit the nail on that. And, and what's crazy is he's actually walking more, striking out less. Uh, yeah. So you know, it's not like we're watching this dude strike the out. Approach is totally 40%. fine. Approach is yeah. totally fine. It, it, to me, it seems like, like you said, the timing's slightly off. You foul off a couple pitches that you should have hit, gets you in a two strike count ends up in more walks and strikeouts. And I think he's just finding himself more in deep counts. What's interesting is you look at last year, uh, 241 hitter through March and April, and then really got things going in May, was good in June, hit a wall in July, was great in August, and was great in September. Uh, so it, it's interesting. He, he's a guy that's super toolsy, super explosive, and there's a lot of moving parts to the swing. And when he's off, he's going to be off. When he's on, he's going to be on. What I like is that he's off right now and he's walking more. Um, yes. So, you know, at least he's still getting on base. He's still giving you stuff. And you know he's going to give you value on defense. So I, I wouldn't lose any sleep over Tyler O'Neill if I'm a Cardinals fan either. Uh, any final thoughts on him before we go to a guy that I would be losing sleep on? Think about it. The reason Tyler O'Neill is not a top five overall player, because if you look at straight talent, he's right there. Mm-hmm. But it's always going to be just the consistency thing. Yeah. You said there's a lot of things happening in his swing. He's going to go through lulls, maybe even deeper lulls than other type of guys. I sure. compare his sort of approach. 
not really to Giancarlo Stanton, but kind of in that There's way, that he's going to go there. through those lulls yeah. and he's going to strike out 18 times in four games. You'd be like, Oh my gosh, what's going on. But then he's going to hit four home runs the next four games. You're like, wow, what a player. That's who Tyler O'Neill is. Still awesome. Still awesome. And when you look back at the end of the season, the strikeout rates palatable, the, the, the metrics across the board look fantastic and he has a good year. Um, and Absolutely. so that's just the way it is. And I think this Cardinals lineup is built to be able to accommodate the ups and downs of a Tyler O'Neill because Loaded. Goldie's consistent. Arenado's looking consistent as hell. Uh, Carlson's heating up. Bader's heating up. Like this team, Edmund's been really consistent. This is a really good team. I, I, and I'm not, team. not worried about them at all. I uh, would like to see them go get that arm. Uh, a team that could be going to get somebody behind the dish, and I think they will make a move at some point soon, it's about Joey Bart. And that's the next question that we got here from San Francisco sports fan zero zero. And it is, should the giants be worried about the slow start from Joey Bart? Should they look into the trade market for catchers who might slash will be moved at the deadline? And before I kick it to you, Peter, I, I'm going to just lead with this. I, one of the funny things I did earlier this year was because I, I really ripped apart Joey Bart. I was pretty harsh on him. I ranked him sixth. Uh, in the Giants top prospects write up that we did, which, you know, it puts him well outside of the top 100. I think he was on everybody else's top 100. I put him six. I watched the video. I didn't see how that swing was going to work, especially against Velo. I think he hit 111 against Velo. Uh, but the really funny thing that happened was I sent in our, in our company chat. Um, he was facing Sandy Alcantara, who averages the highest fastball Velo and baseball were up there. And I was like, if he hits a home run, off of if Joey Bart hits a home run off of Sandy Alcantara, I'm, I'm going to Venmo everybody $400. Next pitch, he hits a home run. So theoretically, I do owe our entire staff $400 bonuses at some point. Um, so hopefully we do so well with just baseball that I can finally fulfill <laughs> on that joking, uh, heavy emphasis on joke uh, comment I Literally. made there. Uh, but it's pretty much been tough sledding for Joey Bart since that home run. He hit a home run off of Albert Pujols as well. Um, but other than that, he's striking out about 40-something percent of the time. That's always what I thought the concern was going to be with Bart. He is defending well, which I think is part of the reason why the Giants are not, you know, panicking and, you know, just testing whoever they can throw in there. And he's walking a little bit too. Uh, but this is a guy that's just not going to be able to hit enough to be an everyday catcher, in my opinion. Is his bat that much different than Bobby Delbeck? <laughs> no, it's, it's honestly... It's honestly not that much different. I, I would say there's a little bit more swing and miss, which is crazy to say. That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. We're dealing with a guy who, when he connects, can go 480 dead center. Yep. No doubt. And as a catcher, we're, if, if you put Bobby Dalbeck's bat, and let's say, forget Joey Bart's bat, you just put Bobby Dalbeck's bat in Joey Bart's body and then have his defensive acumen. We'll take that. 100%. You know, there's going to be some swing and miss. I mean, Mike Zunino's getting run and he's the worst. Yeah. So it's not that like you don't think he's a starting catcher. I do think he's a starting catcher, yeah. but I don't think he's a very good one. I think he's going to be a guy who's consistently above 30 percent of the strikeout rate, probably 35. He's never going to hit for a high average. But at the end of the day. He's not going to be that far off from what Gary Sanchez is. And Gary Sanchez gets run. Yeah. That's no, I'm just looking at the rest of the catchers being like, how could he not? <laughs> like, yeah. I, so I, many I, horrible ones. I guess to that point, right. It's because the catching position is so bad. As, as long as he's picking it and, and he's as still long good as pitchers like, like throwing to him, then I guess theoretically he is a starter, but I don't think his offense is going to get much better than this. Like I, he's a guy that is predetermining his swings. You can I'm tell you. like he is swinging before he's deciding if he's going to swing. We watched him live, bro. We oh. saw it like 
in person in, oh, yeah. uh, like multiple times. It was just, it's got, he's getting blown up by nine, not even three. Like, like not it's not even, even close. close. Not even close. He's guessing. It looks like it's it, his swing is so slow. He's super stiff. He has not, he doesn't have much mobility. And by the time he gets launched and going, it just takes so long that he needs to cheat. And when you cheat as a result, like if you need, and by cheating, I mean like starting your swing earlier, you have less time to, to pick up the pitch. And so you're going to chase more. And that's why we're seeing Bart do exactly that. So to, to your, to your point here though, then do they need to go get another catcher? See, no, because they do no. have Patrick Bailey as well. Who's far, far farer he's Far. farther away than um joey bart is uh, and correct me if i'm wrong patrick bailey is a mid-season 2023 guy that's that's probably what we have eta wise that that's what i would expect i think you just give it to joey bart this year i don't think you go out and get a catcher because how much better of a catcher are you going to get and then you're basically saying to joey bart after your rookie year we're done yeah which you gotta let him go this year you just lost Buster Posey. This is the year where you let him go. I don't think that they should. I think that they're the Giants are going to be good, kind of regardless if he's good because he's gonna he's gonna pick it for them defensively, and he might get that home run that they need. But the thing is, Joey Bart is also a reverse splits guy. He's got a four eighty seven OPS against lefties, seven sixty OPS against righties, which he's facing righties more. So at least that's good too, yeah. I guess. I guess just shelter him from the lefties. Put Kirk Casale out there as a righty, but. Yeah, yeah. That's why I wouldn't go get another catcher and I would let him have as much run this year as possible while also saying, I don't think he's that great of a bat, but we've always thought that. I I don't think the giants have assumed, Oh, this is a great bat and they're sold. I don't think so either. I I think they're going to try to make it out to be that, you know, he's, he's getting better and he'll be better than 185, 338, three will probably be better than that. But I, I think he's, 210 max. And here's my one devil's advocate. Would you, and we saw the Giants do it last year with the rental situation. What if they went out and got uh, an expiring Wilson Contreras for the rest of this season? Do the Cubs want to do that? Because the Cubs are not living in our world. I don't know what not living in our world. But if they're not, if they find out that they don't think that they can extend him, then it makes sense. But yeah. a lot of a lot of ball clubs are going to be looking for that Wilson Contreras. So would the Giants be willing to overpay to not have Bart in the lineup? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. So I, I am worried about the slow start, but he is still valuable enough and good enough. And I think that's where probably, we're both <laughs> So they probably shouldn't go to the trade market. Is that our final answer? 194 expected batting average. So it will. Oh, better days ahead. (laughs) Better days ahead for Joey Bart. So what's your final answer on? So you say no trade market. I say, unless you can get Wilson Contreras on a good deal, I don't make the move for Sean Murphy right now. No, I don't. If I'm them, you look across the landscape, where are the catchers that are going to be better than giving your, one of your top prospects. I'm in quotes for all the people on YouTube the run that he deserves at least as that prospect i'm going to side with let him get run no trade market joey bart is the catcher for this year how good will that production be we will certainly see <laughs> that we will but again been doing a pretty good job behind the dish uh, yes. which is you know the more important got to give him his props for that well. and kurt casali 
has been swinging it really well. That's what I'm saying. Uh, just keep those dudes. Yeah, just just let Casale hit the lefties. He's been swinging it pretty well. So I think that platoon should be good enough for them, uh, especially with what, what the offense is capable of when everybody's healthy. And Longoria is back. Uh, another question that kind of goes off of that same point uh, in terms of trade targets. Who do you think will be the big trade deadline target the teams go after? That comes from sy.ingersoll on Instagram. Well, we've gotten a question from Cy Ingersoll before. Oh, yeah. Um, good question because, you know, it's very open-ended. It really boils down to, you know, let me guess, Peter, when you read this question, you went to the standings, you looked at the teams that were sucking because that's what I do every time. And then you yeah. think about who are the players that could be going from them. Um, I want to hear who you have first, and then I'll see if uh, I feel like there's anybody you might be uh, missing. But who are some of the big trade targets you're looking at? So I have the obvious one in Luis Castillo. I think Luis Castillo will be dealt. We've talked about him before. The starting pitcher for the Reds, when he's on, he is electric, and he would be an enormous addition. We have the Frankie Montas of the Oakland A's. Clearly, the A's want to get rid of everybody. He's their best pitcher. That makes the most sense in the world. Sean Murphy, catcher, A's makes all the sense in the world. We've talked about all of those guys. So I want to go off the beaten path here and just drum up some names that could be dealt that have been on trade blocks before and are currently on teams that most likely will be sellers at the deadline. And I start in Baltimore with, first of all, their bullpen, because they have a bunch of guys who could be valuable bullpen additions. I could just list through them. <laughs> yeah, it does. But there's like some guys in there that are good. No, I know. But I'm going to stay in Baltimore and I'm going to talk about Cedric Mullins. Could he be a guy that is acquired at the deadline? The thing is, I, I just don't know with his contract situation. They already tried or it's not like the Baltimore already tried. I mean, he's been on the block, but guys, teams went to them and said, we'll give you all these top prospects. They already said no. So I don't really know. But if we're talking who I think the top, you know, trade deadline target could be. My mind goes to Cedric Mullins of the Orioles. I mean, we're, we're seeing what, what that ballpark is doing to, to a lot of the players offensively. And Mullen's the guy that likes to use the whole field. So uh, left field being so deep now is definitely impacting him a little bit. But we're already seeing him heat up a little bit. I love Mullins. And like, I, I think too. any team is going to listen on anybody. Um, so I, I think that's number one. That's candidate number one in terms of it's going to take a steep price. But for the Orioles, I think they've realized here. Look, we've got some good pieces. Austin Hayes is, is look pretty good. Uh, yes. A lot of their farm system looks pretty good. They might say, hey, if, if the package is right, because their pitching is still so thin on the starting side, right? Yeah. Grayson Rodriguez so is going to be good. Uh, John Means now is going to be out probably for a lot of next year. Bruce Zimmerman's been a nice development, but like they need more dudes. They do. That's where you trade maybe a Cedric Mullins. And we've talked about teams like the Marlins or the Mariners that have this wealth of pitching uh, that could go make a deal that the Guardians as well have an just a ridiculous amount of pitching. Those are all teams that it could make sense. I mean, I don't know if the, the Mariners really need to go get another outfielder, but more Guardians, Marlins, other teams that have that kind of wealth of pitching. It makes sense. Uh, maybe not as high profile, but a guy that I think could get dealt is, is Ian Happ. Um, Ian Happ has been swinging it pretty well this year. And, you know, I, I like what he brings to the table as a switch hitter with some good speed, with some good power. And you know what? Like he's got two years on the deal. So I'm expecting teams to, to want that, right? You, you have two more years of control that come with him at about six to 8 million, depending on what the arbitration price is. He's walking as much as he ever has. His strikeout rate is the lowest it's ever been. Uh, 282, 405, 388. So the power hasn't quite been there, but a 131 WRC plus. This is a dude that feels like he's been around forever, Peter, but he's still just 27. Give me a guy that switch hitter with some power and speed. 
although the power hasn't been there, but two years of control, I think it makes sense for the Cubs to sell high now. This is maximum value for him, uh, probably at the deadline this year. Ian Happ's been swinging it, and Ian Happ's the greatest opening day player of all time. <laughs> yeah. Literally of all time. It's incredible yeah. his stats are on opening day. How about another guy who just deserves our respect? The next trade candidate for me is Josh Bell of the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Yeah. This dude rakes. And I know I say that a lot sometimes, but this dude rakes 333 is hitting right now 423 obp 481 slugging every single time i turn on a freaking nationals game whether i bet for or against them he's hitting he's got it he's gonna have a high ground ball rate but it doesn't even matter because he just shoots the balls through those gaps he is a fantastic hitter and at only 29 years old he could be a huge addition at the deadline for a team looking for a big first baseman to put some thump in their lineup. You know, I'm even thinking if the guardians go on a run, someone like that, you know, but the guardians, will they buy or sell? They're probably not buy Josh Bell. I'm just saying, please guardians. If you could like, please, that would make so much sense. I think that's a perfect target for a Guardians team that doesn't like to part with like high end prospects. They could trade a, but maybe Naylor is making his, his noise at first base, but I just keep remembering Bobby Bradley and like someone else. I I think that they could really use a Josh Bell. And and you look at a team like the, the guardians, they have, 18 middle infielders and pitchers and, and you trade maybe your number the Red six Sox could do it too. middle infielder. Exactly. And, and go make that move. And Josh Bell, look, he's going to be, he's going to get you a little bit more than I think that the, they ever thought the nationals in terms of prospect return, but he's not going to be breaking the bank. You know, he's still just a first baseman and uh, you know, teams are just not giving up a ton for it. So I, I like him as a trade target a lot as a, another switch hitter who is striking out the least he has in his career extremely encouraging to see those kinds of things uh, for, you know, from somebody like him, if, if the Red Sox keep sucking Xander Bogarts could be a guy. I know they just said that, you know, they're, they're open and he's open to re reopening the extension conversation. Uh, But if the Red Sox are shooting him 90 million offers, it's not going to happen. If the Red Sox keep stinking, that could be the number one target because they need to cash in instead of just losing him in free agency. Like we saw with Mookie Betts. Imagine if they didn't trade Mookie and never got Verdugo and never got some of the pieces that they needed. Like I could see this being a similar situation. If it's clear that Bogarts and the Red Sox are too far apart. Agreed. And another guy who maybe be on the, I just don't think he's going to get traded, but Zach Gallen. I mean, if the Diamondbacks ever decided that, you know, they want to cash in right now, be the best time to do so. I mean, you'd get a King's ransom for a guy who could be a Cy Young award winner one day, probably not, but maybe with another team, yeah. maybe you could sell that to somebody, get an enormous prospect call. It's just, I don't think it's actually going to happen, but I'm saying if the, if the Dimex wanted to come away with four top 100 prospect types, Zach Allen's the guy to do it. I, I'm with you. And you know what, man, like they're in a weird spot where it's almost, do we, Keep they're them like and good. keep going. They're good. Forward. I think <laughs> they're, they're kind of good. Are they better than the Padres? <laughs> Honestly, they're fun. They are fun. They are fun. They, they are, are fun. fun. Dalton Var shows a lot of fun. I would say from that team though, David Peralta's a definite trade candidate. Christian Walker uh, too. Christian Walker. Uh, Gallon could go either way. I think someone's going to knock your socks. You can off. trade the whole offense, but realistically, yeah, it, they've got they've got a lot of really good pieces, man. Mm-hmm. You can see the Diamondbacks starting to trend in that right direction, so they might want to hold on to Gallon. But if someone comes to you with a crazy offer, I think you got to listen with some of the injury concerns he has. 
I don't think he's going to get traded. Just another name to kind of put, put I'm the head. Sure, I'm sure they'll get some calls. So exactly. I, I'm with you a hundred percent. Before we get to the final four questions, we have a little bit from our friends at loop and I'm going to go through some of the biggest hits of the week. But before we do that, you didn't quite crack the, and for those watching on YouTube, you're holding up your, your, uh, I guess it would almost be like a fan of cards. Like, fan you're, of cards. Uh, yeah. Like you're playing poker and you're fanning yourself with, with James Wood, which was, I think the best poll you used your $20 free credit, Peter. And this is like, this is really your first dabble in like a box break. How was your experience? It is so much fun. I get on this app and they're breaking cards all the time. I get with some of my boys. We're just like, Hey, should we break a pack on loop? Yes, let's do it right now. And what we do, you just hop on, you buy a pack and they'll like hype you up and stuff. They'll be like, hey, and then they'll talk about the cards. And it's so much fun. It's almost like I pay half just for the experience. Yes, that's like, the even thing that's you, really I don't fun. even need you to send me the cards. But the thing is, they do send you the cards. They came to me like three days later or it might have even been two days later. I was driving back from California. They were right there. I did it a couple of days. They were on my doorstep when I came back. James Wood, like I spent $20 on this pack. I actually spent zero because it's a free credit if you lose use our link, which is in the episode description, James Wood. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a nice card. That's, that's a nice card. I mean, that's probably the value of the pack. Yes. And if he keeps progressing the way I think he is, so that's a, that's a 40, $50 card. Very soon. Okay. I just spent $20 on that pack. And then I have all these. I mean, other, yeah, Ellie I, De La Cruz paper. I, Ellie De La Cruz paper. I got this Otto Lopez out of 199 and we just have all of these other cards. It's just, if if they sent me the James Wood and that's it, I made money on the pack, but then I also got these and I didn't even spend anything because I used my free credit. Yes, correct. And and so the experience fun. was fun. So, yeah. and, and that's, that's the cool part is, so to like, for example, by the time people are listening to this, we would have already done it today. Later tonight, Peter, I'm going on uh, the wildcard stream and I'm FaceTiming in and they're going to put me on the phone FaceTiming in. Um, and I'm going to be answering some prospect questions while we rip some product. And while people, you know, uh, are, are buying product as well. I'll just be FaceTiming there answering prospect questions. We're going to do more streams like that. We're going to do a prospect stream at the end of the month. So definitely, even if, even if you're not too keen on, you know, spending money on cards right now, Download the app, use the $20 free credit, and then you'll have the app to join our streams because we're going to actually be doing some occasional prospect streams. I'm going to be doing a prospect Q&A on the Loop app at the end of May uh, that I'm really excited to do with some of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos guys and some other minor league top prospects. So even to just download it for that is another good reason to do it. Um, So between being able to pull the cards and just the live streams that we're doing. It's a no brainer, Uh, but I wanted to get into real quick. Some of the big hits before we move on to the final four questions, Um, this new product that came out. And again, that's the really cool thing is every seller has a ton of different products. I'm, 100% 100% all in on Bowman, but Tops Tribute release just came out. Someone pulled a one of one Wandered Tops rookie tribute card, which, of course, no idea what it's worth. Probably worth a, a ton, a yeah, lot. A Someone lot. pulled a Juan Soto Tops Tribute autograph out of 110. I'd assume that's that a lot. Quite, quite valuable. A Derek Jeter autograph Tops Tribute out of 25. It is such a sick card. It, it, it has one picture of him rounding third with his helmet falling off. And then the autograph is over him at shortstop, not having range. So cool. Um, and then Does it say negative 162 defensive run saves all the card. <laughs> yeah. It's a, he signed that actually. It was in his signature. Uh, and then my favorite, because it's probably two of the coolest players ever. It's a pamphlet booklet auto from the, the Tops tribute. One half of the booklet is Mike Trout autograph. 
The other half of the booklet is Vlad Sr. autograph, both in their Angels jerseys. How sad. That's fire. That is my favorite as well. So even if you don't want to pull prospect stuff, like if you're like, I don't want an 18-year-old Ellie De La Cruz, I get it. I do. Um, even though it's super fun and I do too, and I, yeah. I hold on to it and watch it go up. Uh, you could go after this, you know, Tops Tribute stuff, which you can get anything from like Hall of Famers to current players. Someone pulled a Wander. Someone pulled a Derek Jeter. That's what's really cool about the different product that each seller has. Reminder, just check out that link in our description so they know we sent you or type it in your URL. It's loop.cards slash just baseball to check that out. And would really appreciate it if you guys could download that app. So Peter, four more questions and very pitcher heavy with the first two, actually three, three of the four are pitcher heavy. Uh, we're going to start with Tarek Skubal, who mm-hmm. is someone I've really enjoyed talking about since, you know, he was a prospect coming up with the Tigers wild story as a guy that pitched at Seattle university uh, and really was had major command issues and has gotten better and better each year. I didn't think he was quite big league ready last year. That's why I made a bet with Colby Olson that he would finish with an ERA over four point something. And he did, but he was still really good last year. And he has taken his game to the next level this year. The question from C six R S N is the tigers pitching as a whole has been meh. But why is Tarek Skubal so good right now? Peter, what has really impressed you about Tarek Skubal thus far? Before I talk about what's impressed me with Skubal, I want you to talk about that again. Because you didn't think that he was big league ready when he was 24, and now he's being elite when he's 25. Jared Kelnick is 22. <laughs> yeah. Like, if he, if he was not that good in his first couple starts... But then he's good when he's 24, 25. We're going to be talking way differently, giving him way more respect. But he's 22. Tarek Skubal is now 25. And we're so excited to see what we've seen from the guy who has a 2-5-0 ERA, 39 innings, 45 strikeouts. And there not only have I bet on a couple of games with Tarek Skubal, so I've seen him firsthand, but also I just genuinely like watching him pitch because right now he's attacking the strike zone. He's locating the fastball. Well, he's elevating it, but he's also challenging hitters with it. And he doesn't throw it that much. That was about 29% of the time, but hitters can't really touch it. And the expected stats point to it being even better than what it has produced so far. The slider is disgusting. He sometimes throws it up in the zone, but he mostly keeps it down and away to right-handed hitters. The sinker he's spotting all over. He's got to change up. He's got a curveball. He's thrown all these pitches above 8%. He's a five-pitch guy that varies his speeds, and he's just tough to time up, especially with a little bit of a funky motion. I really like what I see from this guy. A hundred percent. So, so you hit on some really important points. The reason why I made the bet with Colby. And again, it, it wasn't that I don't didn't like Scuba long-term. He was throwing his fastball in the minor leagues 70% of the time. Exactly. So like he, because it was so damn good, you, he's deceptive, he's funky. And it has, if you look at the, the movement profile of the fastball, it fits under riser, which is, you know, that, that desire, that's what everybody wants. Right. And so he was throwing risers with deception, with a unique arm angle in the mid nineties, in the minors and just blowing guys up. So there wasn't much of this emphasis of like needing to throw secondary stuff. You get to the big leagues. Yeah. If you locate that fastball up, as we see with Hunter green, you'll get guys out. But if you miss your spots, you're going to struggle. So two things that stand out to me with Scooble, 
He's added the sinker now too. So instead of just going heavy four seam, now he's throwing, like you said, 29% four seamer, but then also throwing that sinker 21% of the time. So he doesn't need to strike out everybody. He can fall behind in the count, go to the sinker and get a ground ball and get out of the inning or, you know, really just get himself to keep the pitch count down. And that is so encouraging. The slider is fantastic, but I think the big difference maker, Peter, is the sinker because you mentioned how he's got the walk rate to a career low. I think that's because he trusts that he can throw that heavy sinker and get strikes that way and not just have to beat guys with elevated heat all the time. I mean, think about it. All of his pitches just go all these different directions. You got a fastball and a sinker that has the same spin or at least very similar, same arm angle. One's going a little bit up. One's going a little bit down. Then you have the slider breaking up, but then you have a curveball. Then you have a changeup. We talked about three Detmers a little bit, just the ability to work within multiple speeds. Right now he's at 94 on the fastball, 88 on the slider, 83 on the changeup, 76 and a half on the curveball. It's tough to time up those pitches, especially when you said it yourself fastball sinker you aren't sure whether it's going to go up or down so you're worried about that you're thinking about that in your head and then he's breaking off sliders and then if you're timing it up you're sitting in the 90 88 to 93 range that's what you're timed up for he'll bend 76 on you it's incredible he's a really really good pitcher so where where do you think he sticks or you know kind of slots in here i think this is a guy that could be a legit number two you know i think as he continues to get better i do think i think he's a solidified number three but I see some number two upside here if if the command continues to be as good as it is. I mean, this is 45, walk, 45 strikeouts, eight walks thus far, Peter. And uh, I mean, he's pitching that like an ace and that's pitching like an ace. But yeah. will he be an ace is the question. I don't know. I don't know. But but with the with the pitch assortment that he has, all of the different, you know, I, I never expected him to have this deep of a bag. You know, I always thought Me he'd neither. be better than he was. I didn't. I always thought he'd be fastball slider. He's and blown mix my in expectations. He looks amazing. Enough. He looks amazing. He's blown away my expectations. I thought this was a good pitcher. Thought he was a solid three, and he's developed into this. At worst, he's a good two. At worst, I agree. I agree. And Chris, Chris Fetter, you know the pitching coach over in Detroit, has done a phenomenal job. And that was part phenomenal. of the reason why why they promoted Matt Manning early, even though he wasn't ready, to, so that he can get his hands on him before Casey Mize got hurt. We saw Mize make strides, and I think Scooble is the most talented of the bunch. And we've seen, you know, what Fetter's been able to do with Scooble. Speaking of talented starters that, you know, got to the big leagues, had some success. And again, a good pitching coach with the Marlins in Mel Stoudemire Jr., who really helped Sixto Sanchez, can't help him stay healthy. And unfortunately, that's been the deal. He's now throwing from 90 feet, which is this has been a meme in itself, is how many feet is Sixto throwing from uh, today? Sometimes uh, I'll just now, text you and be like, is Sixto throwing yet? You're like, nope. No, <laughs> nope. <laughs> he posted a video on his Instagram of him throwing like 20 feet. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But he's at 90. I don't think he's been from 90 in like a year. Um, that's great to hear. Shoulder issues have been a lot. The question comes from Obscure X Reds on Twitter, which is such a funny account. It's just all obscure, random Reds, uh, but they they do a great job of just being fun and engaging on Twitter as well. And Obscure X Reds asks, "Where is Sixto Sanchez in the Marlins' starting pitching prospect hierarchy? Seems to have fallen significantly in a loaded system with starting pitching." As someone that's kind of seen it all go, as a guy that's wearing the Marlins shirt right now, um, Fire shirt, by the way. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I found it at thrift shop. Um, the, the the thing with Sixto is it's it's a combination of injury, murkiness in terms of what information the team is giving, and then also just a litany of arms, right? Like, yeah, it's one thing to, to for Sixto to just naturally fade because he is not on the field, but also when you got guys like Edward Cabrera shoving when he's healthy, you got guys like Jesus Lazardo, Max Meyer 
you know, all these other prospects, Yuri Perez, Jake Eater, when he's healthy, like there's so many arms out there. I just don't think people are really losing sleep over Sixto at this point. And anything that they can get from him is a bonus, which is crazy to say. You haven't named a name that I wouldn't take over him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not about Jake Eater. You talked about Max Meyer. You talked about Edward Cabrera. You talked about Jesus Azardo. I'm taking all those guys over Sixto. Sorry, I am. I mean, maybe crazy? who would I not? Eliezer Hernandez. Give me Sixto over Eliezer Hernandez. Yeah, That's yes. about it. And maybe Eliezer Hernandez is going to have a better big league career than Sixto. It's not out of the question yet. Which is which is terrifying. Which and, is terrifying. The thing where are you at? I mean, you're the Marlins. They're like, where are you placing him in this? Like, I'm if, with you. if you have, if you're the GM of the Marlins and you have a trade partner with another team where they're saying, you know, the classic pick four from this group of prospects. Yeah. And that group of prospects is Edward, Jake Eater, Sixto Sanchez. And Meyer. And Meyer. Take Sixto. Exactly. Like, that's where he is. But he is in that tier. But that's where he is within that tier. And and I will say this. I was always, I always really like Sixto. I love Eater. I'm a big Eater's phenomenal. I love it. You know, he's, people people might be like, oh, but they're both hurt. Eater, Tommy John, not worried. Sixto third instance of some sort of shoulder issue this time in actual surgery. So, and then they're like, Oh, he might not need the procedure. Then he get. it's just been such a mess that it's a little weird. The other thing with Sixto for me is, is, you know, you see him a little bit out of shape. He's showed up overweight to, to spring training. You know, he's, he hasn't taken care of his body the best, you know, when we've seen him. And then on top of that, when he is healthy, He's really good. We've seen flashes, but he doesn't get the swings and misses you'd expect, Peter. And I've always thought that he was a little bit overrated because everyone's like, oh, 101 with movement. Look at Broodstar Gratterall. He was 101 with movement and and still is. He's 102 with movement and doesn't get the crazy amount of swings and misses. You know that Sixto Sanchez never never once in his minor league career averaged more than 8.68 strikeouts per nine. We were talking couple was it a couple of years ago now it was a long time ago we were talking to stuff before Sixto even had these injury concerns yes is he good when healthy is it's he like, even that great when healthy we yeah, knew he's he was good. Gonna be good yeah but is he gonna be great when healthy we both were like I don't know about great and then now he's dealing with all this it's certainly not helping his production no so if his ceiling is good I rest my case. Yeah. So when he was good was when he was using the four seamer up sinker down and then using the breaking ball. Cause he was almost always going change up sinker. Everything was down. So he was getting ground balls, but he was really a ground ball pitcher. I mean, he never struck out more than 24% of batters, 25% of batters, which, you know, is just not what you would expect from a guy with his stuff. So I would put him below all of those other guys right now. But I do think that there's a scenario where he could still be a really solid big league pitcher. But between the health and the lack of swing and miss, I I just don't think he's in the conversation with those other guys at this point. Agreed. Next up is a guy who is pretty much heading in the opposite direction. He's as good as as anybody in the game right now in terms of starting pitching. Shane McClanahan, man. Uh, Colby Olson, again, bringing him out. He put out a phenomenal piece on JustBaseball.com. Breaking down why Shane McClanahan is a bona fide ace at this point in the in this game, um, and and I agree. I think Shane McClanahan is a bona fide ace, and that kind of answers the question already. Where does Shane McClanahan rank among current starters? That's from Burner underscore Phillips on Twitter. I, I guess I kind of gave my answer. I think he's an ace. I don't think he's an elite ace, but I think he I think he's an ace at this point. What, where do you stack up on this? I I think he's. 
I think he's great. I don't think he's an ace. Really? I think he's elite. I think he's having a great start to the season. I think he's a very, very good pitcher. Like I still, there's a part of me that still thinks Boz will be better. And maybe that's, maybe that's to that point is just the such okay. belief in Boz, but I've seen McClanahan's command go astray. And when the command goes astray, no, it's not it as gets, lethal it anymore. Ugly. It gets and ugly. his fastball is hittable. I know it's 97, but that's the, that's the pitch that opponents are hitting the best off this year. I just don't. And maybe, for example, what is the qualification of an ace? Yeah. I guess when I'm thinking about our top 10 pitchers, I'm not. No, he's not. A shame that he's not pitcher. in it, I guess. See a top 30 pitcher. Yes. So Easily. I, I, he he's is he tier so that means tier one starting pitcher. That's kind of what I'm yes. looking at. Like, yes. So, I thought maybe we were talking like ace ace, like with the top 10 or top. No, like, no, no. Okay. He, yeah. That's, it's a very vague. I always think it's funny to when we bring it up. It's like, OK, is he an ace? And we end up debating more. So what is the qualification? Whether he's actually an ace? Um, like, so I guess the, the question would be, you know, is he in that tier one? I, there's tier one A and there's tier one B. And, and that's it's, it's broad. But in terms of like you know, the Pablo Lopez's of the world, like where is, is, is he better than Pablo? Like, I think he might be, I, I would probably, I would take him over Pablo and Pablo's probably. a tier one fringe guy. Right. Would you take him over Sandy? I don't think I would. No, but I think Sandy's a top 15, 20. Exactly. Starter. So, exactly. So he's in that 30, he's in that range. 15 to 20 range. I think he's in that. He's like the 18th best pitcher in baseball. Let me put him right there. Shane, Just not a random Shane McClanahan. That's what I think. Yeah, I no, think no, he's no, I think Sandy's from, better. Yeah, I think he's anywhere from the 18 to 25 range. I think you're you're more than fine putting him there. If you look at all of you know all of the stuff that he's like, he's been able to, to really just mix in this year, the curveball has been just dynamite. The changeup is what really impresses me, Peter. And you, you have mentioned like the, the fastball has gotten hit. Um, but that's what's crazy is it's getting hit at a 395 batting average right now. Um, I mean, like really, it's it's gotten hit pretty hard, and he's still shoving. So yeah. imagine if he finds a way to, to mask that fastball a bit more uh, to, to be more effective with the heater. I mean, the, the world's his oyster. The world is his oyster, but l- let's do this. Like let's go through some starter pitches. I'm just going to throw them at you and you tell me who you'd rather have like right now. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, let's do it. Would you rather have him or Alec Manoa? Manoa. Manoa. Would you rather have him or Zach Wheeler? Oh, I mean, after what Wheeler did last year, you got, you got to go. And again, this is like just for this season. Yeah. This is like right now. Who do you want? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. For the rest of the season. Wheeler is going to turn it around. He's too good. Yeah. Would you rather have him or Freddie? Him, him, him. Yeah. I'll take McClanahan over Freddie. Maybe. But like, I'm not sold on that. I'm not super sold on that. Would you rather have McClanahan or Logan Webb? Oof. That's well, fucking I, tough because we Le- Webb is we not going to do a whole episode on Logan Webb right now. Dude. Yeah. I, I'm going to go McClanahan with what we're seeing from him right now. McClanahan or Joe Musgrove? Musgrove. Musgrove. So that's, I mean, Verlander or McClanahan? Not yet. For, Verlander is phenomenal right now. I give me And Verlander. then you go like Garrett Cole, like you'd rather Garrett Cole. Would you rather Max Freed? Oh, that's a fun one. There's a lot of really good pitchers. That's what I'm thinking. It was like, are we putting McClanahan up right now? I'm like, like Kelnick, give the man a second to prove that he's right here. I don't want April 7th to May 18th 
now he's top 10 because he hasn't proved that yet. The stuff was always there. I'm not saying that if we're talking just straight stuff profile, he is up there with the greats. But if we're talking about production, game seven, I need a dude on the mound. There's 15 to 20. I'm taking over. Yeah. But to to say Shane McClanahan, I think, is a top 25 starter in the game. That's a huge jump from where he was at. You know, like that is a huge jump. So all that to say, I mean, he is he is really impressing. He is turning himself into one of the more exciting young arms in the game. And and again, still turned 25 years old, 19 days ago. It's extremely young in the right organization, continues to get better and turned in his second seven inning outing of the season the other day against the angels, which is the big thing for him, you know, going deeper into ball games. Uh, We've seen him now punch out at least seven batters in every start, except for one. Uh, So definitely heading in the right direction. I agree. Like let's see him do it a little bit longer before we put him in that conversation, but I'll wrap up with one question back on you. Would you be surprised if Shane McClanahan's a top 15 starter by the end of the year? No, I wouldn't because his stuff is so good. Me neither. His stuff is so, me neither. So good. Me neither. But just, I, I agree. It's, it's May 18th. Let's we're not going to put him there yet uh, because again, look, look at what Logan Webb's done this year in terms of the step backwards. And that was after a full season. Um, exactly. So we'll see how he goes, but right now top 25 wouldn't be surprised to see top 15 by the end of the year. Uh, final question. And it's one that I love because you know, this is a team that I've just been having a blast with all year long. And it's from multiple people on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Do we so think many. the twins will make the postseason? And if they do, how far can they go? I'll leave that. I think those are two very different answers. So I'll I'll leave it to you and then I'll I'll fill in the blanks there. I've said since the beginning of this season, I don't think the twins are going to make the playoffs. I don't. I think the White Sox will win the division. And because of that, the twins won't have a shot to make the playoffs because the angels are going to be insane. The blue Jays and the Rays and the Yankees are going to be fighting. I don't see the twins making the playoffs unless they win the division. And I still think that the White Sox are going to get crazy hot. Lance Lynn's going to return. Eloy's going to return at least at some point this year. The bats are going to get hot. They are just a better team, in my opinion, than the Twins. And I still have them winning the division. So that would say that I don't think the Twins do. But that doesn't take anything away from the Twins because they could actually win, you know, 88 games and not make the playoffs and be a great team but just they didn't win more games than some of the other teams in the American League. Yeah, so it's it's funny because I, I agree with you 100%. If it was the traditional playoff structure, I'd be like, yeah, it's going to be tough. But now I don't even know how to like conceptualize it with the new playoff structure of like, okay, do they have enough? Like, where are they going to line up there? I guess if you just talk out loud here and go through it all, it makes sense that they have to win the division, right? And my concern is this. I actually think the Twins are going to finish really strong. Like you said, I, th- I do think they're going to win 85, 86, 87 games. What's crazy is even in the expanded postseason, that might not get it done As you, to your point. What scares me in terms of the Twins not really being the favorite at the division still is that the White Sox have been as bad as it could be really right now. Um, you know, like they, we know what they've been doing pitching wise. They've been throwing Vince Velasquez out there. Uh, they've been it's missing been okay. a lot of their main guys. <laughs> Mankata's played six games this year. Uh, you talk about the other injuries. Andrew Vaughn has been up and down uh, and has been hurt as well. Uh, Eloy hurt. Uh, Lance Lynn out. And Liam Hendricks has been a disaster. And all that considered, this team is still over 518 and 17. So for everything to be going wrong, AJ Pollock out too, for everything to be going wrong for the White Sox and the Twins only have a two and a half game lead, 
that's, that's just, that's just not it. You know, like I, I, if they had a 10, they need to be like separating themselves right now. They need to be kicking the white socks when they're down. You know what it's the equivalent of to me, Peter is like, you know, when you watch a horror movie and the, the bad guys chasing the person and they turn around, they hit him on the head with a pan and knock him down. And the person, the bad guy falls down. And instead of like finishing him so that he can't chase after you, they leave him and keep running. Then the guy gets up and comes after you again. Like, why didn't you just finish him? Like, that's what I look at with the twins. Like the, the bad guy is down with the White Sox, but he's going to get up and he's going to run him down because they didn't put him. They didn't put him away. And they I can't. I think it was a great way to describe it. I it's not taking anything away from the twins. The White Sox are playing at their absolute worst and they're still a game over 500, just two and a half games out of the twins. White Sox are a better team. They've been there before. I like the twins. Does Joe Ryan continue to have an ERA under two? Probably not. But then again, the twins have had their injury issues. You know, Carlos Correa has been on the shelf a little bit. They haven't been completely healthy, but you look at the roster from top to bottom game one. It's probably Sonny Gray versus Lucas Giolito or Dylan Cease. Then you have Giolito versus like Joe Ryan or Bundy. It's just, it's not the same lethalness. But with that said, they're exciting rookies in Royce Lewis. But even a guy like Miranda came up, hasn't hit deck. He's in like 104. <laughs> yeah, he's been. Um, but I mean, I still believe in him. I just, yeah, absolutely. First started, yeah. Again, this year, the man a second, but it's yeah. also May. So that's where I'm at with the Twins. So Byron Buxton is playing out of his mind. He's only playing 100 games this year. Like that's the target, right? What like, if he and, goes and, down? And I'm cool with that. And I hate like, saying that, but what if he goes down? I mean, then it's. Yeah, I, it's tough. And, and, and again, like there's a lot of reliance here on, on youngsters. Royce Lewis is filling a role. If Ursula continues to struggle, then like Lewis's role is going to going to take up even more. They've got Gordon in the outfield. Hey, twins right fans. Can I ask twins fans something? How do you like Gio Rochelle so far? <laughs> uh, I told you. <laughs> Yeah, he has not been great. Do you like Gary Sanchez so far? They did well. Is, is, what has Gary been doing? I haven't even checked. I think he's in like 220. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but I, mean, I think to, to wrap up on that question, it's like, I, I was think that, that douchey they, the way I went about it. I just no. like, I've seen so many of this and I was like, I'm telling you what's going to happen. They're going to no. suck. No. Like, <laughs> no. And it's funny because they could really use Donaldson right now. And I get it was like a, a real, like a, a reallocation of, of finances to be able to go get a Correa. Cause I don't think they would have got Correa if they didn't move the Donaldson contract. Yeah, but right. man, if money wasn't a factor here, Donaldson on this team, I think it looks a lot different um, because they are giving up a lot at a premium offensive spot. I think between the pitching questions, although the pitching is better than we thought, and it's going to be enough to have them hang around between the pitching questions on top of the, you know, bullpen being eh, at times. I love what we've seen from you on Duran. I, I don't know if I believe in Emilio Pagan to be able to lock it down in the back end all year long. And, you know, they could use Taylor Rogers. Now Chris Paddock's hurt injuries have, have bit the twins a little bit, and they're just not as deep as the white Sox. I think in terms of just high end talent, it's not yet, but I think next year they're going to be a really popular pick to win the division. And I think they're going to be playing meaningful games all the way down the stretch, uh, which is still a far cry from what it was last year in Minnesota. See, this is where I was wrong on the twins. I assume the guardians would be better than the twins, but actually I think the twins are probably a better team now than the guardians, but I also wouldn't be shocked if the twins still finished third in this division because the guardians could get hot, but still, I would say right now, if you put a gun in my head and said guardians or twins for second place, I would say twins. So one last question to wrap up on this. Correa comes back healthy, which we assume is going to happen. It's like a finger bruise, like we talked about. Uh, Buxton looks like he's managing his workload well. Uh, yeah, he is, and he is amazing. He's so he is 
amazing. Like, oh my. 100 games from Buxton will will, will be top 15 F4 production, right? I was talking about gambling advice. Like, you know, I said on record, Byron Buxton is one of the greatest players I've ever watched play. And he proves it day in and day out when he plays. Yeah, very big distinction there. Because yeah, which not is not often because the best the best ability is availability. And that's when you really turn tough. on a Minnesota Twins game, he runs like the wind. He can defend almost that's as cool. well as Andrew Jones. Yeah, he's got eleven home runs in twenty four games. So I don't really want to run every game. Ever so again. every other game, I'm turning on. He's got a home run. He's one of the fastest players in baseball in terms of a package of tools. It is one of the most incredible players we've ever seen in our sport. Doesn't mean he's the best and doesn't mean that he's the greatest, but in terms of talent, one of the most talented players I've ever seen play. He's, he's up there, man. It, it is so much fun to watch and, and to be able to hit with the power that he does without like moving is, is unbelievable. I, my question for you then is if all those things happen, Joe Ryan continues to pitch well, Sonny Gray's healthy and they go out and get a starting pitcher. So they go out and make a trade for one more legit starter. Could, could you see them doing it? And, and edging out the White Sox. It's almost like I, then I have to see what the White Sox do because you've yeah. seen the White Sox are going to add too, right? So it's if the White Sox do nothing and the Twins add a big time starter, yes, we're having a different conversation because oh. it is going to be that close. And I wonder, I wonder how urgent it is for the Twins because they do want to convince Correa good to point. stay. That's a good point. And and look, I'm not saying that they need to to win it all, but go get that guy show that you're trying to win finish the year strong if you come up short you come up short i think royce you know royce lewis is going to get better and better i think correa is going to look and say hey we got a healthy year of bucks in they fig- figured out how to manage the workload the pitching's coming together the young guys are here i want to be a part of this and, and he's made it clear that he's open to it uh so it, it should be interesting to see if they feel that urgency to, to try to you know continue to build that team up and, and make a move uh but but that's it dude we got through nine questions they're all great questions uh, i can't thank Everybody enough for, for asking them. The mailbags every two weeks are a ton of fun with you. Uh, any other final thoughts before we jump off? Mailbag. <laughs> Mailbag. And also at Just BB Media on Twitter, at Just Baseball Show. If you want to be a part of the next mailbag, make sure you're leaving your questions on there. We post a picture with a little mailbox and we say, leave your questions here. And we take all of those from our Twitter again on Just at just BB media, as well as at just baseball show on Instagram. Make sure you check out that loop app. The app, the link is in our episode description. You get a $20 free credit just for downloading. So if you've lost some of the bets with me, uh, go get 20 bucks. It's free. Yeah, you might and you can just spend it on yeah, cards and stuff yeah, too. Um, and if you're winning because we just won the White Sox and we got the Cubs tonight, please Cubs, please win for our first leather jacket day. in what feels like a month, but it hasn't been a month, but it feels like it. Um, Join our baseball group chat on chalkboard. Yeah. Forgetting everything we have to plug. That's it. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah, yeah we just said that already. If you like the podcast too, that'd be cool. Yeah, um, if you want to give us five stars, we generally appreciate it. Let us know what you like about the podcast. Please don't tell us what you don't like. <laughs> With that, thank you, everybody.
What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.